Please join us in reaching the Tibetan people with God's Word. Hope that touched your heart, opened your eyes to a world that, uh, you know, before I got into this, I never really thought a whole lot about the people who spoke all these thousands of languages that need the Bible. And I hope this burdens your heart, you know, as you open your Bible, as we hear the message today, as you go home and read your Bible, just thank the Lord maybe a little bit more than you did before, thinking about the people who don't have that privilege and they're still living in spiritual darkness. Please pick up some prayer cards on the back table. We also have brochures if you want a, a little more details about uh, the different projects, Worldview Ministries, uh, that I'm serving with, the projects we do in Africa and Asia. And you can use that as kind of a prayer guide as you pray for Bible translation and for me and the, the teammates I'll be working with. Uh, right now I have 93% of my support. I, if all should go well, uh, and Nepal should open up, I could go in February. But right now, they're only letting trekkers who want to go to Mount Everest. That's the only Americans they're allowing in, the only foreigners. And so, you know, it's in God's hands. We are all uh, having to, to deal with this and just pray that God would, would speed that process along. I can start learning Nepali uh, stateside. There are different Nepali communities in the states that I can um, move and perhaps in Cincinnati or in New York City or somewhere uh, to live and get a, a language tutor and start learning the language. Obviously, it's better to learn it there because it, you're completely immersed in it, but it is what it is. So pray for God's direction with that and that uh, we would just see God's w work going forward. You know, it, we still have the same Great Commission regardless of the pandemic. So pray for wisdom and how to proceed with that. And... Uh, Appreciate, appreciate the chance to present. Amen. That was great, right? A lot of information really quick, okay? So, it's a very long video, 13 minutes, but there's a lot of work that's going to go into that. Years of labor. And we're going to sing another song. And we're very thankful. Uh, number three, uh, 416 in your song. Okay, so send that number 416. And we're very thankful. Each of you came out today. We're very thankful, Brother, uh, Brother Lloyd came all the way up here to be with us today. Uh, let's... Let's sing this out together. You can remain seated. 416. And uh, I want you to think about these words and uh, think about those who God uses in great ways to minister and take the gospel to others. And uh, pray about what God would have you do to pray and to participate in helping them as you sing this song and think about these words.
send I you, I want you to think about this, to leave your life's ambition, to die with, uh, to, to, dear, uh, to die to dear desire, self-will, to resign to that, to labor long, and to love where men revile you. So send I you to lose your life for mine. Does that remind you of a scripture? Jesus said, if any man will come up after me, let him take up his cross, deny, uh, deny himself, and follow me. And uh, that's what I know Brother Lloyd's desire is with his life. That's, that should be the desire of all of our lives, to leave our life's ambition to follow Christ. Our own ambitions for his will. And uh, come up, and if you would, Brother, uh, play that special. And, and we're looking forward to hearing uh, what God has put on your heart this morning. So prepare your hearts. And children, take great notes, okay? Draw a little picture. You can fill out on your paper about the missionary. Um, Bible terms later. And, uh, and we'll look forward to seeing those afterwards, okay? All right. We're going to play Rescue the Perishing. Psalm 33 this morning. Psalm 33 in your Bibles this morning. Thank you all for your hospitality. I had a great meal last night with Pastor Dan and his family. We went and got some uh, pizza and buffalo wings because that's exactly what you need after Thanksgiving. <laughs> but uh, it was delicious. It was delicious. And I'll eat salad more next week, maybe, to make up for it. So I really need to get a uh, five-mile run in. I haven't done one of those since, since Thanksgiving. So uh, I enjoy running and uh, appreciate the nice weather we're having. Maybe it'll be good for a run tonight or something. So Psalm 33, if you'd stand with me. Psalm 33 in your Bibles. And we'll read this whole psalm. Uh, I want us to get the, the whole context of this beautiful, cohesive psalm that talks about God's goodness. Psalm 33, verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, 
and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, he considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. An horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death, and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord, he is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word in our language. Thank you for this beautiful psalm. I ask that you would help us to understand it, apply it to our lives. Would you change us through your word today? Because your word is powerful, because you are powerful, and you use your word in our lives if we would only accept it and believe it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. This morning's psalm I've entitled, A Psalm of Praise to Our Merciful God. And coming out of this Thanksgiving season, I hope we haven't lost the spirit of gratitude and praise to our God that should sustain us throughout the year, not just on the fourth Thursday of November. And so this psalm is going to show us that we must rejoice in God and we must rely upon God. We're going to see how rejoicing and reliance go hand in hand today. To illustrate this concept of rejoicing and reliance being connected, let me uh, perhaps bring you this illustration of um, if I were to go to Niagara Falls, let's say, I've never been to Niagara Falls. I don't know what there is to eat up there. I don't know what museums there are. I know there's, there's a big, cool falls. But beyond that, I don't know much about the place. So a lot of times what people do, they'll go on, tra on TripAdvisor and they'll look for recommendations. They'll look for five-star reviews. They'll uh, maybe Google what's the best place to, to eat. Uh, in a given place, um, maybe they're looking for seafood. Which place has the best seafood? Or they might ask their friends on Facebook, you know, where should I go? I'm going to here, I'm going to take my special someone, I want to have a good time, where should I go? People ask for recommendations, they're looking for praise, they're looking for a place that people are not just like, oh, that's okay, but that people are raving about, that people love to go to that place. A place that is reliable, is a place that people are rejoicing in. And for our lives, our God is reliable, and our God is worthy of us to rejoice in Him. And we need to be convinced in that of ourselves, in our own hearts, but also point others to our God, worshiping Him, trusting in Him, and from the overflow of that, sharing the good news of the gospel with the world. And so let's dive in to see, first of all, we must rejoice in God. This is verses 1 through 19. Almost all of this psalm is talking about rejoicing in our good God. 
First of all, I want us to see an encouragement to worship. I see in verses 1 through 3 that we are encouraged to worship God. Verse 1 begins very simply with the first action. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Philippians 4 verse 4, the Apostle Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He was writing that from a jail cell. If he could rejoice even in those circumstances, we of all people should be able to rejoice with all the freedoms and blessings we enjoy. But notice, we don't rejoice in our circumstances. We rejoice in God who's in control of the circumstances. And the Apostle Paul, in the book of Philippians, he realized that God was using his unpleasant circumstances for the sake of the gospel. And we can rejoice in God, understanding that God's got it under control. He's got us. He is using us. And we can rejoice in him always because he's always the same. He never changes. So our rejoicing is always well-timed that it, we can rejoice at any time because of who he is. The second action I see in verse 2 and 3 that we should praise him with instruments. We've been encouraged to rejoice in him. Now we're encouraged to praise him with instruments. It says, praise him with harp, psaltery, instrument of ten strings. Verse 3 says to play skillfully with a loud noise. You know, instruments are tools. If you, if you have an instrument, like a, a dental instrument, it's what a dentist uses to work in your mouth. They use their tools to get something done. And our instruments, our musical instruments, it's not about performance or about a show. It's about helping us get something done, making beautiful praise to our God that he would be pleased. And we have the privilege of praising him with instruments. The third action I see in verses 2 and 3 also, it says sing. Verse 2 says sing unto him. Verse 3 repeats that. Sing unto him a new song. God wants to hear his people sing. He delights in the praises of his people. So even if you don't play an instrument, God's given you an instrument in your, in your, vocal, in your voice box to sing, to sing to him, to praise him, and express your rejoicing to him in that way. So we've been encouraged to worship, but the psalmist now is going to give us an explanation for why we should worship him. He doesn't just say, worship God, without saying, what should we worship him for? And we see six reasons in this psalm, verses 4 through 19, that explain why we should worship God. Verses 4 through 19, let's start first of all with his character. Verses 4 and 5. What a good place to start, that we start with the character of God. Before we talk about what he does, we're going to talk about who he is. Verses 4 and 5. It says, For the word of the Lord is right. So why do we praise God? For, because his word is right. What he says is right. And then it says what he does. It says his works are done in truth. And then verse 5 progresses to what he loves. It says he loves righteousness and judgment. And those three things work together. What you say, what you do, what you love, it all ties into your character. And God is completely consistent. And if you in verse if you're one of the ones in verse 1 who is righteous, if you're upright, if you have accepted Christ as your savior and you've received his righteousness, which you don't have any righteousness of your own, as we know from Isaiah, that all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags, 
But if you've been made righteous, if you've come to God by faith and said, God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm, I can't go to heaven. I have all these bad things I've done. But you died on the cross for my sins. You were buried. You rose again. And you are offering your righteousness for my wickedness. And when you receive his righteousness, then you're made into his image. And so guess what? What you say is going to be in his image. You're going, your words will be right. As you obey and are growing more and more in your faith, you won't be a person full of lies. You'll be a person full of truth. You won't be a person whose word is shaky and unreliable. Your word will mean something. And what you do will be done not deceptively, but in truth. Obviously, there's a progressive, we call it progressive sanctification. We're not there yet. But as we are growing and becoming more and more like Jesus, our character will show that. And so we have God's character to praise him for and to pattern our lives after. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Praise God that what he says, what he does, and what he loves is holy. And he says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So we've talked about his character. Number two, let's talk about his creation. We praise God for his creation. Verses 6 through 9, we start in verse 6 by talking about the heavenly host. It says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. This takes us back to day four of creation when he said, when he created the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies, the heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19 verse one says that the, the work of his hands, his handiwork it is shown, shown by the heavens. And we understand that God knows every star by name and the heavenly host could also refer to the angelic host, the Christmas story, the glory, where the angel shows, shows, them, shows up to the shepherds, scares them, and says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And then suddenly there's a multitude of angels with, that show up and praise God and say, glory to God in the highest. And they're called the heavenly host. And so whether it's a son whether it's a moon, whether it's a, a galaxy, whether it's an angel, it is all praising God. Everything in the heavens is praising God. We see next of all the oceans in verse 7. Let's look down at verse 7. It says, He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. As amazing a power as we see in the ocean water, God's power is so much greater, and He controls the ocean water, the seas. Think about the Red Sea experience when He led His people through on dry ground. He split the water and made it a wall of water on one hand, a wall of water on the other hand. Think about in the boat with the disciples when He said, Peace, be still. God's power is amazing. The oceans are over two-thirds of the globe's, they cover over two-thirds two -thirds of the globe's surface. And it says he lays up the depth in storehouses. That means a, a place where valuable things are kept. It's a treasure trove. There are minerals there. There's animals. There's oil. There's so many wonderful things in our ocean. And he has richly stocked our ocean with wonderful things. 
Verses 8 and 9, we're going to uh, zoom out and look at the whole creation in verses 8 and 9. Read with me. It says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Verse 6 took us to day 4 of creation. Verse 7 took us to day 3 of creation, where he created the dry land and, uh, and said, Let the seas be gathered together. Let dry land appear. But now verses 8 and 9 is going to summarize the whole creation week. He said it, and there it was. If you were to summarize the whole creation week, it would be something like we read in Hebrews 11, verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In six days, God created everything through his word, and we can point people, every person on earth, verse 8, we can point them to our creator God who spoke everything into existence. Verse 1, the call to worship starts with righteous people, those who've accepted Christ as their savior by faith and received his righteousness. But this call to worship goes out to every person on earth. Verse 8, let all the earth, all 7.8 billion people, all 7,360 language groups, every country, every people, every person should worship God as we do because he is their creator. We can point anywhere on earth. We can point people to the creator God whom they should worship. So we've seen his character in verses 4 and 5. We've seen his creation, verses 6 through 9. Number three, we praise God for his counsel, verses 10 and 11. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Have you ever praised God for being a wise counselor? You know, people are looking for counsel. They're looking for counsel sometimes in the wrong places. They're looking for answers. They're looking for direction. God's counsel is wise. It's sure. It's trustworthy. It's forever. It's not good for today, but tomorrow it'll be proven wrong. No, it is everlasting. And notice that verse 7, he contrasts or verse 10, I'm sorry. Verse 10, we, we hear about the counsel of the heathen. God destroys their counsel, their wicked plans. They rebel. They, they scheme. They want to fight against God and have nothing to do with his righteous reign and rule and control. But verse 11, he wins. His counsel will stand. It cannot be overturned. The thoughts of his heart last to all generations. Psalm 119, 189 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119, 89. And so we see that we should praise God for his counsel. Matthew chapter 7, after the Sermon on the Mount, the, the people were astonished because he spoke as one having authority, not as the scribes. And he said, everyone who hears these sayings and does them, he's like the wise master builder that builds his house on the rock. The rains come down, the wind blows, and that house will stand because it's built on a rock. But the one who builds his life on the counsel of man, there's no sure foundation for that, and that house will fall. 
Build your life on the Word of God and praise God that you have God's thoughts, that what He thinks about things, His counsel, His direction in your language that you can read and follow. Praise God for His counsel. Number four, His chosen. Verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. So we understand that this psalm was written around the time of David, a thousand years before Christ. And God chose Israel through Abraham and told Abraham, I will make of you a mighty nation. The Jewish people came through Abraham and their privilege was to bring forth the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He was born into the Jewish nation. Sadly, the Jewish people rejected their Messiah. And so in this New Testament age, Jews, Gentiles, we are all brought together into the church, into, adopted into the family of God, where there is neither Jew nor Gentile. God's not through with Israel, though. Seven years time of tribulation, awful judgment on earth, will finally break the stubborn resistance of the Jewish people where they will finally accept their Messiah. Romans chapter 11 tells us that all Israel will be saved. They will finally, as Zechariah chapter, I think it's 11, tells us they will look on him whom they pierced. They'll they'll look and see those nail-pierced hands when he comes back and they will return to him and mourn and they will place their faith in him and accept him finally after seven years of awful tribulation. But for right now, we can rest in the fact that God has brought us into his family if we have accepted Christ as our Savior. Galatians 3.26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.16-17, it says that we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He has made us part of his inheritance because we are in Christ. And so we can rejoice that this promise extends to us, that we've been included in this promise, that he has chosen us to share in the inheritance of the the spiritual inheritance. Number five, let's rejoice in his consideration. Let's worship him for his consideration. Verses 13 through 15. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. Do you know people that are very considerate? Or maybe, sadly, maybe you think about people who are not considerate. Maybe someone cuts you off on the road. They were just not looking. They weren't paying attention. They, they were just being inconsiderate. Our God is very considerate. Not just for us, but for every person on earth. Look at what the text says. That he considereth, verse 15, he considereth all their works. Verse 14, so he's paying attention to everything they do. Verse 14, it says, he's looking upon all the inhabitants of the earth. Verse 13 repeats it by saying, he beholdeth all the sons of men. Every person, all 7.8 billion people, God's got his eye on them. Not an eye of, of just judgment. He is a holy God. He will judge their sin but a heart of love that doesn't want to judge them, wants them to come to Christ, wants them to receive the forgiveness of sin that he has made freely available for them if they would only repent and believe the gospel. God is considering every person on earth. 
The question for us is, are we, do we care? Do we go by and read those letters and see a little fraction of, of, of the 7.8 billion people that your missionaries are reaching across the world? Do we pray for, take out a globe and, and maybe spin it a little bit and, and see what country we, we could pray for today? And think about the people who live there and the religion that's holding them trapped in spiritual bondage. Are we considering the people that, that Christ died for, which is everybody? Jesus looked upon the, the fields. The, he said the fields are white unto harvest. He, he looked upon the multitudes. He had compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Matthew 9.36 Jesus showed us the heart of God for the lost, the heart that we need to have as well. Number six, let's praise God for his conservation, his protection, his conservation. Verses 16 through 19. There's no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Verses 18 and 19, this beautiful promise. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. I see another contrast here. You have horses, chariots, mighty men, uh, these, military for, these military things that people put their trust in to deliver them. The army's invading. Let's get our horses ready. Let's, let's get the, the, the mighty men all, all geared up to go and fight the battle. But there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is when you put your trust in that. And so many times Israel, David numbered the people. They hired out some uh, some mercenary soldiers to protect them. Various times, Israel would trust in their own military strength instead of trusting in God. But sometimes they did trust in God. And guess what? He could do amazing, marvelous things. Think about Hezekiah, who prayed to the Lord, and God sent an angel to wipe out 185,000 Assyrian men in one night. We have a God who protects us, his people, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, understand that you are safe in His hand, that He's given you a mission to fulfill, and He has promised protection for you as you follow Him. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous is bold as a lion. And, and we as believers should boldly carry forth the great commission and trust in the Lord, and that gives us the confidence to even go into unsafe areas. Think about places on earth that have been hard to get to, that missionaries have gone to, dangerous places where their life is at risk, but they still go because they trust in God to deliver them and understand that his eyes upon those who fear him. So we've seen six different reasons why we should worship God. His character, creation, counsel, chosen, consideration, conservation. I think we have a lot to praise God for. But we're going to see now, not just rejoicing in God, but reliance upon God. We must rely upon God. Verses 20 through 22. We're going to see three different ways we can do that, that we can rely upon God. Read with me verse 20. It says, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. The first way we wait on God is anticipation. We anticipate God to work. You ever had to wait for something? that felt like it would never come? 
Maybe you feel like, when will Christmas get here? I'm, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for Christmas, but it's still a few weeks away. But then finally Christmas will come and, and you can open those gifts that you've been waiting so long to get. Maybe you're, you've been wondering, when, when will my job situation change? I feel like I'm in a dead-end scenario. But then God works out a job, a job change. And that anticipation that seemed like, mm, I don't know if it's ever, anything's ever going to happen, but then God finally works on your behalf in His timing, not necessarily the timing you would want. When we wait on God, it means we expect Him to work. We anticipate Him to work. We understand that He has His own timetable. He's working many different things out, and He's using waiting time periods to grow our faith. Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus, died. Jesus waited four days before he came and fixed the situation so that their brother would be raised from the dead and people would glorify him. He could have gone down and healed Lazarus and kept him from dying, but he had other purposes in mind. And God has wonderful plans in store for you. He's a good heavenly father. He gives good gifts to his children but he uses these waiting time periods to grow our faith. Anticipate God to work. Letter B, trust in God to work. We see in verse 20, it says, He is our help and our shield. Verse 21 says, For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. First of all, trust in God to be your help. It says, He is our help. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is more present than your friend that you call or the emergency medical services or anything that you go to in time of trouble. God is even more present than that. God is our refuge and strength. Trust in Him for His help and trust in Him to be your help. Then also trust in Him to protect you, to be your protection. It says He is our shield in verse 20. Psalm 18, verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. A buckler is a type of shield. In Bible days, they needed shields. They had people coming after them with swords and spears. They needed that protection. God is our shield. We've seen we, we should anticipate God to work. We should trust in Him to work. Last of all, verse 22, he closes it with praying for God to work. It says, Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Verses 1 through 21, he's been talking about God as he, him, and his. Now, verse 22, it's like he lifts his eyes to heaven and says, Thy mercy, your mercy, let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Lord, we're hoping in you. We're taking you at your word. Now please come through for us with your mercy. In prayer, apply the promise of God. What's a promise that you can apply in prayer? Perhaps a promise like, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you have been stuck at home for a while for the sake of health. You feel abandoned, isolated. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Perhaps a promise like, Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The context of that promise 
was the Philippian church sacrificially giving for the sake of the gospel to the Apostle Paul, their missionary. And just as they had given sacrificially as a poor church to the Apostle Paul so that he could go out and preach the gospel, God was going to provide for them as they continued to provide for the needs of the gospel. Trusting in God will cause us to rejoice in Him. Verse 21 really summarizes this psalm. It says, Our hearts shall rejoice in Him because we've trusted in His holy name. When you trust in someone, that's the foundation for the relationship. If you can trust in God, if you can really, fully, wholeheartedly trust in God, you'll find that your, your heart will be filled with praise to Him. Because you will believe what his word says about him. And you will understand he is completely trustworthy and also completely praiseworthy. If you have a praise problem, if your heart is filled with complaining and murmuring and bitterness, you probably have a trust problem. You're probably taking your eyes off of God and been looking at all the problems around you. So how is your worship today? Are you worshiping God? Are you worshiping him creatively? He doesn't want vain repetitions, the same old, same old, same old. Explore some of these other reasons and praise him for them. And then last of all, are you responding to God with trust, anticipating him to work, relying upon him, praying for him to work? This message isn't just for us. Like I said, it's for every person on earth. The people you work with, your neighbors, I can guarantee you that not everybody in Granville is trusting in God. They're not all worshiping him this morning. And definitely the people where I'm going, they're worshiping false gods. They need this message that our God is worthy of rejoicing and worthy of reliance. God has called us to share this message with them. But you can't teach something to someone if, you're not, if you don't understand it yourself. How is your worship of God today. Are you praising God? How is your reliance upon God? Are you trusting Him or are you doubting Him? Let's pray. Thank you that we have a God who's completely trustworthy, Lord. We come to you and worship you for that. And we can throw ourselves into your care, understanding that we can never exhaust, we can never we can never outdo, Lord, anything. Lord, you, you're so powerful. We can never tap out of the rich storehouse of mercy and strength and wonderful things that you are, first of all, that you are, but then that you also do for us. Lord, many are your wonderful works to us. We can't even, we can't even number them. Lord, I pray that we would rejoice in you today and that we would rely upon you, that we would go forward by faith and confidence in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.